All right. You guys turn to Galatians 3. Turn there, swipe there, tap there, whatever you want to do. However you get to Galatians 3. No excuse for bringing a Bible, Bible to church anymore. Oh, I didn't bring my Bible. You have a phone, so use your phone. I'll do that later. Um, <laughs> all right. This is Paul, and he says, You foolish Galatians, did someone put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? I love that. Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened to you, for it is obvious that you have no longer, excuse me, for it is obvious that you no longer have crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clearly enough. And then it says in verse 2, it says, let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works or law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish that you have begun by the Spirit and now have been perfected by the flesh? I love that. That's great. I can, I can relate to Paul. I like how he, he talks to, to people. It says, did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteousness? So Paul's writing the, the church in Galatia, and he says, have you lost your mind? It's like when you look at your kids and you go, have you lost your ever-loving mind? And they're like, yeah, we have. Yeah. But I love how he asked, he goes, did you receive grace from the Spirit and then get it all figured out and then it just, you're working it out with your flesh now? He's like, hey, you know, you saw Jesus crucified, you heard of him crucified, you've seen the miracles but, um, you know, you started with faith and then you perfected yourself with your flesh. He's asking them those, those sarcastic questions because they've lost their ever-loving mind. And um, he's like, hey, what did I teach you? What did I show you? What did I lead by example when I was here, when I started the church, when I started this place for you? And he's asking them those questions. He said, did you receive grace by your own works? No, it's, it's not by our own works that we're justified. It is by Jesus Christ's blood that we are justified. That's the only thing that justifies us, makes us right in the eyes of God, is the blood of Jesus, which covers all sin and brings us into relationship with the Father. In our culture, for some reason, it's okay to say, hey, you know, it's... Jesus was a nice guy. I heard this one guy one time. He's like, I'm really just trying to figure out who Jesus was as a man. <laughs> he was God. Sorry. That's, he was, that's Jesus as man. He was God. So you want to talk about Jesus as God or Jesus as man? He's God. So figure it out that way. We, we try to figure out so many things. We try to, to analyze so many things and break it down. And, and we try to, you guys ever had a problem and you, you try to figure out what's going on? And then by the time you're done, you have no clue. Yeah, we've all been there at some point. We, we analyze things so much, we try to break down the, 
the humanness of Jesus, the, the works that he did into, oh, he was just a nice guy. He was just this, but it's not true. Jesus was man, 100% man, 100% God. So when we look at Jesus as man, we have to look at him as God. Did he have moments of human weakness? One time when he said to his father, he said, if you can take this cup from me, please let it be. But it's not what I want. It's what you want. It's not my will. It's your will be done. And so in Ephesians 2, it says this in verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That explains it all right there. It's not by our own works. It's not by us being good enough to come to Jesus. You know, we, we talk about um, the grace of God and the mercy of God, but we in our culture want to, to make it easy to go to heaven and no one's going to go to the imaginary place they call hell. Well, I'm hate to break this to whoever's believing that, but it is real and it is a permanent place. And what happens is, is this, we try to justify ourselves through our works. Oh, I was born again, but then I'm just going to do really nice things for people. I'm going to fill a hundred of these shoe boxes and that's just going to make, God's going to be happy with me. It doesn't work that way. We are only justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. Our faith is the only thing that makes us right in the eyes of God. This is the only thing that can bring us to God. Faith is what pleases God. We, we try to do, do all these things. Well, I, you know, I did this and I did this. No, those are acts of kindness to the people around you to show the love of Christ to them, not to make God happy. So it says, by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Paul's pretty blunt. He's like, hey, by the way, you didn't do it. Definitely wasn't your own doing. This was not, had nothing to do with you except for you call, crawling on your hands and knees and begging God for his mercy and grace. He goes, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no one can boast. He's saying your acts of kindness don't bring you any closer to God than the person who just called out in the name of Jesus five minutes before they, were, before they died. It is an act of faith in Christ Jesus, believing that he is the Son of God and he died for our sins, that brings us to the Father. Calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But we try to, oh, you know, I did this and I did this and I did this. And it's like, I hate introductions. I hate... Um, I hate going to leader conferences because they're like, hey, what do you do? And I'm like, I do stuff and things, and that's what I do. And you don't need to know what I do and how many people I have and what we do. This is what we do. Because I don't want what our church does to be put on me because it's not me. It is, it is every one of us as believers in our church that are doing something. I'm not going to take credit for what you guys are doing. The only thing I can take credit for is what I actually do, but I don't, it doesn't really matter to God. It doesn't matter that I'm doing good things. It's what is my faith in him is what brings me close to him. Without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. So why do we keep trying to do all these things? And you're going, oh man, God's just going to be happy with this. No, he's not. He's happy with our faith in him us trusting him. Yeah. 
the things that we do are an overflow of the love of God in us. The, the things that we, you know, these boxes that we're packing, these things that you do, the, when you see people in line at the store and you pay for their groceries or you see somebody who's in need and you give them 10 bucks um, for gas or whatever it is, things that we do is all an overflow, to God, uh, overflow of the love of God in us. When we are doing these things, they do not bring us closer to God in the way of his affection, his love for us, his kindness towards us. What happens is, is this, is it brings us into an understanding of the love of God. When we give, if we're giving without a selfish reason, it helps us understand the love of God even more. But what happens is, is in our humanness, we want to please people. Oh, I did this. Give me a gold star. I did this. Give me an attaboy. I did this. Will you love me more? And in our brokenness, in our humanness, we try to do that with God. Unconsciously, subconsciously, we do that, not realizing that we're doing that. And sometimes we have to stop and say, okay, hold up. What was I? Wait a minute. This, I, he doesn't love me less or more because I didn't do this or I did do this. He loves me because of, he loves me and I'm pleasing him because I have faith in him. And Paul says in Ephesians 2, he says, he goes, it's not by your works that you can boast. It's not that you can say, well, I did this, this, and this. Well, who cares? Why are we so focused on boasting to God? God, I did this, this, and this. At the end of our life at Judgment Day, the things we did are not going to matter. He's going to look at us. Did you have faith in my son and trust him as your savior? Because if without that... What did Paul say? Everything else is filthy rags? First John 4.12 says, No one is, has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. When we come to these moments where it's like, Okay, God, I, I'm, I'm doing this because I love you. But, yes, but... Where we love one another, that's why we do the things that we do. It's not for the love of God. The love of God is boundless, endless. The love of God is always towards us. It's how we receive him. And what happens is in our, in our minds, we, we start to doubt that he loves us. We start to worry, did I do the right thing, God? Are you mad at me? Did I, did I, did I act the, the wrong way and did I do the wrong thing or did I not do enough of the right thing? Paul said we are not justified by our works. Our works, what we do, does not make us right with God. Jesus is the only one that makes us right with God. Our actions do nothing to make us right with God. It's only the actions of Jesus Christ. It said in that song, the second to last song, it said, He clung to the bloody tree. That's the only thing that makes us right with God. Our works are great. And he's like, good, you're loving other people. You're give, showing them the love of Christ. You're giving out of an overflow of compassion for people. But God doesn't say, oh, well, you know, that's going to earn you an extra salvation point. It doesn't work that way. But Paul has told us, we look at the writings of Paul, he's telling the, 
the Galatians, the Ephesians, he, he tells them multiple times, it is by faith that you are saved. It is by his works, not ours. It is by his mercy and love, not us doing what we think we should do that makes us right. John 4, or excuse me, 14, 6 is, says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one enters the Father through me except through me. When we come to Jesus, we don't come to him with gifts and say, here, Jesus, take this. Will this buy me what I need to get through the door? No, it doesn't work that way. He says, you come to me, you confess me as Lord, make me Lord of your life, confess your sins to me. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. But he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. But we come to him with like, oh, Jesus, I just brought you all these really good things I did and hopefully this will make you happy. He's like, no, I want you to remember the only gift that needed to be given for that, that transaction was his gift to us. The only gift for, uh, for, was for us, not for us to bring things to him. Once we are born again, our job is to bring him glory and praise but we weren't, we weren't required to bring something to that transaction when we said, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. He wasn't like, well, you got to do 600 good deeds and you got to be kind to strangers and then we'll have a conversation if, if, you know, oh, nope, stamp, nope, denied, you know, next time it's approved. It doesn't work that way. In Galatians, it says this. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by the works of the law? No. 600 plus things you had to follow by, by the law. I can't even follow the traffic laws, <laughs> let alone 600 other things. I'm like, the needle's straight up. You know, that's, that's where I'm going, you know. It's, if the needle's straight up this way, I'm going that way, you know, and that's how it works. And I'm just kidding. But 600 plus laws that you had to follow in order to be justified by God. Yeah. And then even at the end of the year, or the beginning of the year, once a year, you're still sacrificing that and going, oh, I broke at least 42 this week, you know. And Paul's telling them there, there was a better way. The law was not there to bring us justification. Jesus was there to fulfill the law so we could be justified and righteous in the eyes of God. Just as Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. His faith in God was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 7 says this, then, Now, then, it is to those of faith who are the sons of Abraham and the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. And you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, Abraham didn't have Jesus, didn't have that opportunity to call on the name of the Lord Jesus, but his what? He believed God. God told him, hey, pick up, your, pick up everything you own. Take your tents, your camels, your goats, your sheep, your goat, whatever animals you're alpacas, I don't know what they had over there. Um, take them, move to wherever you need to, I tell you to move. And Abraham did it. But his actions and his trust in God 
were counted as righteousness and his faith. Verse 10 of Galatians 3 says this, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. The righteous shall live by faith, but the law is not faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might be received by the promised spirit through faith. says the title above that is the righteous shall live by faith. Our job is to live by faith, trusting God that he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he's going to do. See, what happens is, is the law becomes, we, we go through the Old Testament and we read the New Testament and we see Jesus and we see the grace that he gives and we see him fulfilling the law and we're like, oh, that's so good, Jesus. But then we read the Old Testament and you're like, hmm, did I do that today? The law is a great point. The, the Old Testament is a great, wait, um, is a great way to reference what we were supposed to live like. Gives us, hey, you are supposed to do this. This is how you're supposed to live. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not murder. Those are great. Twelve, or twelve, ten commandments. I don't know. I'm making up two extra on the way home today. Um, no, I'm just kidding. We can edit that part out. Um, so, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll figure out the other two on the way home, and I'll tell you next Sunday what they are. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but the Ten Commandments are great as a reference to say, this is how we should live. Jesus said, you can sum it up in two things. Love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Yes. Ten, plus two. Ten plus two. There we go. We'll go with that. Yeah. Anyway, um, we can look back at the, the law that was given to, to Moses and say, okay, these are great ways to live, but they don't justify us. They were rules that God set up because the children of Israel couldn't wait five minutes to not build a golden calf. The moment Moses turns his back and he's like, oh, oh, crap, they're already at it. We are, as humans, we are naturally unruly. We naturally go towards sin because that is the nature in us. But what happens is, is we look at the law we say, okay, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. Jesus says, I haven't come to abolish the law, I haven't come to get rid of it, I've come to fulfill it. That way, the things that we cannot live up to, the things that we will never be able to do, the things that we make mistakes on, he's like, I've come to fulfill it and give grace on top of that. Romans 3, verses 20 through 25 say, oh, let me find it and I'll tell you what they say. There we go. It says, but for by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes in the knowledge of sin. The law was given because of sin. 
When we, when we live by the law, we're looking and saying, oh, I can't sin, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. The righteous of God through faith, though. But now the righteous of God have been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So he's not saying the law is bad. He's saying they bear witness to what Jesus is doing, what he's going to do. Because what's, what's happening to Jesus when he said, I've come to fulfill the law, he's not saying, I've come to just, yeah, we're done with it. We're going to move on. We're just going to do this, you know, the way I want to do it. No, he's saying, I've come to fulfill what my father has sent me to fulfill and what was started. Yeah. And the law and the prophets bear witness to what Jesus did. And he was saying, okay, this where you cannot do this, where you are going to fail, I'm coming to fulfill this and give you a new way to live. Verse 22 says, The righteous of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is Christ Jesus, God whom put forward as a propitiation by His blood. To be received by faith, this is to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he has passed over the former sins. So we are justified by the grace that is a gift to us. We spend a lot of time wondering if he's happy with us. Did I, am I doing this right? Is he mad at me? You can say, you, can't, you might in your head say, no, I don't. But as human beings, we do. We gauge ourselves against other people. We look and say, oh, are they doing this? How do I do this? We compete for the love of God in our heads sometimes. You ever been doing something and you're just like, oh, I wonder if God's really mad at me right now. You ever, have you ever, that thought ever popped into your mind? It's because what's happened is, is this, we've picked up the law and said, oh, I did something wrong. Is he mad at me right now? Because in our humanness, what happens is when we do something, somebody gets mad at us, right? Because in our humanness, we cannot have grace that is abundant like Christ Jesus to overlook the sins of the other people around us. It's a job that we need to learn to do. But what happens is we judge ourselves. Oh, I did that. Oh, man, he must be mad right now. And then we have to snap it out of it and go, hey, that's not who God is. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a, he is a kind God who sent his son Jesus to die for us to cover our sins. We all fall short, but we are justified by his grace. Justified means that we are brought back into where we were. Brought back into right standing. It's like going before the courts and the courts are like, you did this and you're going to spend 30 years in jail to do this because you did this. And then Jesus walks in and says, oh, but I've got something that shows that what they did will be covered because of what I'm, I already did. He walks in and says, I've got evidence 
that says this can't be held against them. Do you realize that most of the, the, the things that are held against you are held against you in your own heart and mind? You do it to yourselves. Oh, I didn't know. We do it to ourselves. We put ourselves back under the law a lot of times because we feel bad about what we did. And then we bring ourselves into that. Oh, condemnation. We have self-condemnation that brings ourselves back into that. And we have to start to change our heart and our mind to, to bring us back into the grace of Jesus Christ. The grace of the law being fulfilled and God's love for us being covered for our sins. Is there repentance? Yes. Is there those conversations that we need to have with God when we do those things? Yes. But we have to quit bringing ourselves back under 600 plus laws and say, oh, I just screwed up and is God mad at me? Is he angry? What am I going to have to do to fix this? It's as simple as the conversations that we have with each other that we can have with Jesus and just say, man, I need you right now. I messed up. I need your help. I don't know what to do. Romans 4 again says, Abraham was justified by faith, not his own works. God said, hey, go leave your country. Take your cattle. I'll do it and I'll promise you that I'll make you the father of many nations. And what did Abraham do? He didn't say, well, I don't know. I've got an important sheep meeting on Thursday that I need to sell some. He just packed up everything and he left. He moved to a new country, moved to a new area, brought with him what he had. But his, it wasn't him getting up. It wasn't the actions of him getting up and going. It was the actions of him believing when God told him, I will make you the father of many nations. I will give you a son. And he believed God and packed up all his things. It wasn't him packing up all his things and leaving. It was him believing God that God said, I will make you the father of many nations. It's him believing that God said this about me and I'm going to believe it and I'm going to take hold of what he's given to to me, even though I don't see it. It wasn't his own works. It, was, it wasn't him getting up, oh, yep, I'm going to leave and I'm going to be good for it. No, it was him believing God and saying, I trust you enough. I'm going to pack up everything I own and we're going to move. So when we look at Abraham, it's not, oh, yeah, he was, he had faith. Yes, he had faith. But he did some amazing things through faith. It wasn't just, oh, I, oh yep, I believe God and then nothing. What does James say? Faith without works is dead. There has to be some action to our believing. When God says do something, we believe him. See, Abraham could have just said, yep, you're going to make me the father of many nations. I believe that. But God had some actions to go along with that faith. He said, I need you to go do this. I'm going to change your name. I'm going to give you a son. I'm going to make you the father of many nations. But there's an action that went along with his faith. If faith without works is dead, believe, simply believing is not faith. We can believe that Jesus is, is Lord. 
But when God says, I'm going to, I'm calling you out of your country, I'm calling you out of your job, I'm calling you out of whatever, I'm calling you out of this house, I'm calling you to a new place. And we're like, okay. And we don't do anything. It's like God saying, hey, I want you to sell everything you own and I want you to move to another city. Okay. I'll bless you when you do that. Okay. And we don't do anything with it. (laughs) That is not faith. That's just, oh, okay. But when we do that, when we put that action to that faith, when we we obey what James writes and says, put some action to that faith, is when it becomes true faith. Because we're trusting God. When Abraham said, oh, yeah, you're going to make me the father of many nations. Okay, that's cool. But God said, I need you to leave where you're at to become that. I need you to, to move out of where, where you're at, where you're comfortable, where your family's at, where everything is, seems okay, and I want you to move to a place that's going to be troubled, and it's going to be a fight sometimes. That's the faith of believing God. That's believing God right there, because you're taking that action to what God says. When God says something, you're like, yep, that's good. And you don't do that. that. There has to be an action to faith because what happens is, is we're, we're putting our belief in God into that action saying, you told me to leave, I'm going to leave. Now that you have me here, now what are you going to do? So Abraham is, is not just believing God, he's acting upon what God has told him to do. And that faith is acting on what God has told us to do is where faith comes in and says, you know what, that's true faith. Because we're not just saying, oh, that's so good. Yep, oh, amen, that's so good. Anybody ever said, anybody ever given you a good word and you're like, that's really good and then you don't do anything with it? (laughs) Yes. So what God has asked us to do is to have faith in him and when he asks us to move, when he asks us to do something, when he asks us to do whatever he's asked us to do, we do it. Because what it does is it causes reliance upon him for our needs. It's it's trusting him to take care of what he said he would take care of. Abraham's movement out of his country was a faith that God said he would do what he said he's going to do. Romans 5.1 says, it says, peace with God through faith. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I love that scripture because it's not like we've just been justified. It says now, because we've been justified, we have peace that goes along with it. What did it say? It says, Abraham was justified by faith. It said his believing... He said his believing is what justified him, not his own actions. See, what happens is is when we actually trust God, do what he asks us to do, peace comes along with it. Is it always always going to be, oh, nothing ever is going to happen. I believe everything's fine. It's never going to be bad. There's always going to be trial. There's always going to be trouble. But when we have that faith in God, when he asks us to do what he asks us to do, we 
trust him. We know he's going to deliver on what he said he's going to do. He's not a liar. Sometimes God will ask you to do the stupidest things or what you think is the stupidest things. And you'll be like, why did you ask me to do that? Because he's asking you to trust him for that. He's asking you to, to trust him for the, a little thing. People are like, oh, I, I just want God to move and I want God to do this and I want God to do this. He's like, I can't even get you to do the little movements, let alone the big movements. It's, it's, the, it's the times where he asks us to be obedient to him are those moments of us submitting to him, trusting him, and saying, I, I, yeah, I trust you, God. I believe in you. And that's the faith in him. And he says, okay, you've been obedient in the little things. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you to do something that's a little scarier, yeah. a little more aggressive. Yes. But you were obedient in the little things. So in the little things yeah. is where our faith grows. And it grows and it grows. So when God asks us to do the big things, it's like, yeah, I can do that. I trust him. He came through the other times. He came through the other one, the other times when I had to fill in the blank for whatever it is for you. So when God asked us, hey, I need you to do something. We say, OK, what are you asking me to do? And if he asks you to pack up your camels and move to another country. Sometimes it's like, man, that's scary. Do you think it wasn't scary for Abraham? Like, I'm leaving my father, my mother, their, you know, their camels, their goats, and now i got to take my own camels and goats and, you know, go where I need to go. And there was probably some scariness to it. It wasn't that he didn't trust God, but there's probably like, there's the unknown. And for us, the unknown is like, if I don't know everything that's going on, I don't have faith. I trust you, God, as long as you reveal everything to me before it happens, and then I have faith in you. That's tough faith. But that's what we want. We want God to reveal the entire plan to us, and then we can be like that. Can you imagine if he revealed our, his entire life plan for us? We'd screw it up in like 10 minutes. We'd be, we're so bad at taking care of ourselves and doing what we are asked to do that if God revealed his whole, the whole plan of our lives to him, we'd be like... Well, I don't want to do that. But it's, those, it's that times of trial and testing that when those things happen, we cling to God and we say, I believe in you and I trust you. And that's where the faith comes, is those little moments and those little seasons. And then when the big things come, we're like, yes, I can, I can get through it. I can go through this because I believe God who is who he says he is. So when we come to God, we are justified through faith in Christ Jesus. It is not by what we do. It's not by our own works. As nice as you are, like Paul says, it's all filthy rags compared to the righteousness of Christ. No matter how many shoeboxes you do or do not fill back there, it doesn't make God any more or less happy with you. What pleases God, what makes God happy is our faith in him, our trust in him, our devotion to him. That when we are going through those things, we cry out to him and not to the, the world system. Mm-hmm. Ever been going through something and you're like, oh, I better go to the bank. Oh, I better go to this. I better go to that. I better go to this person. And God's like, I need you to come to me. Yeah. 
If you say you have faith, come to me. He's like, oh, we're people of faith. Well, then come to me and ask me about it. Come to me and talk to me about it. Come to me and explain what's going on. Even though I know everything and, you know, I know what's going on, I need you to talk to me about it. Our faith can increase by crying out to God and whining to God every now and then and saying, this sucks and I really hate it and I need you to take care of it. Our faith can grow through that. And I know it sounds weird, but it does. Because he gently reminds us sometimes that he is there. God is, has a, a gentle, stern hand of correction. And sometimes he flicks us on the back of the head and says, Hey, I got this. Just trust me. And other times it's like, you lost your mind. I told you I got this. Believe what I said I'm going to do. That's why Paul says to the Galatians, you crazy Galatians. I love it in the message. He says, you crazy Galatians, did someone put a spell on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? It's like you look at your kids, have you lost your ever-loving mind? That's what he says. That's what Paul is saying to the Galatians. And I think God says that to us sometimes. Have you lost your mind? Because I have been here the entire time. And I told you, if you cry out to me and we have those conversations and you believe in me, I will take care of it. But what we do is we try to do it on our own strength. We put our faith in our pocketbook and our bank and our credit cards and our jobs and Oh, well, you know, oh, that's a good job, and my job gives me a lot of money. I make good money at my job. No, God has given you that job. God has blessed you with the amount of money you make. God has blessed you with the, the things that you have. Well, I, I worked hard for that. No, God has blessed you with that. Yes. So, don't be foolish like the Galatians. Don't be perfected in your own flesh. And that's sarcasm, just to let you know, because reading Paul. And he says, don't be perfected by your own flesh. Our own flesh is going to lead us to nowhere but death. And that's why Paul says, I beat my body into submission. He just punches himself in the face every now and then. No, he, what he's saying is, is, I make sure my body is un, in, under control of what the Word of God says. It's under control of the Spirit of the Lord. Not what the flesh wants, but what the Spirit wants. So when we're going through those times and we're like, oh, oh, the sky is falling, slap yourself across the face and say, it is not my works that make me have faith in God. It's not my works that make me justified with God. God has done this for you Trusting him is the only way you're going to get through this. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Let me, let me rephrase that. Correction. You will get through both one way or the other. It's how you want to get through it. How do you want to get through it? Do you want to go through it at the end of that going, that was kind of like hell on earth. Or do you want to go through and at the end of it, going, the grace of God sustained me. He gave me victory through this. And I overcame with what was going on. Or do you want to be like, oh, I never want to go through that again. There'll be times where you'll go through and you have to adjust your faith for the situation. 
You ever gone into a situation, you're like, I just wasn't ready for that. I, my faith wasn't built up for that. I wasn't in the right mindset for that. And that's where we have to go, okay, turn the knob up a little bit because I need more faith to go through that season. So when you're going through those seasons, preparing is the little, uh, little submission to God, little things of submitting to God saying, yes, Lord, I will do that when you ask me to do that. I trust you with those. I trust you with that. I trust you with my job. So when the big things come up, it's not, <gasps> John, can I do it? <laughs> That's my favorite response when he does that every now and then. He'll be telling stories. Names are, are redacted to protect the innocent. And he'll be like, I was just working. And they're like, Ur. and I'm like, yeah, that's when you go through situations and you want to do that. And you can just say, you know what? God, I trust you. You're here. I believe you. You're going to do what I say. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. But it's those small moments of obedience to him that are counted as faith to, towards us. It's believing that, you know, when he says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to give this away. I want you to go do this. And you're like, God, I don't know how to do it. He says, but I asked you to do it. And when you're obedient to him, that is your faith saying, yeah, I believe you, God. You're going to do what you said you're going to do. You will give me what I need to do. You'll give me the tools. You'll give me the words. You'll give me the, the moments. You'll give me the right time, the season, whatever it is, the job to do what you've asked me to do. So small moments of obedience to God are small moments of faith and trusting him. It's not actions that do it, but it's those moments where you say, yeah, God, you're right. I should do that. I trust you. You're going to lead me in the right direction. Boom. It's that, it's that little bit of faith, that little moments of growing your faith to say when the big things come, you can say, I'm not worried. God's going to take care of this. God's got this. He's going to lead me. He's going to guide me. So we don't, we don't get into those moments of, woe is me. I don't know what I'm going to do. God, what do you, where were you? When we don't obey and don't trust him in the little things, when those big things come, we turn into, well, God wasn't there when I needed him. No, it's that we, we, we deadened our ears to him in the little things so when the big things we couldn't hear what he was telling us to do. If we trust him, then listen to him in the small things because he will take care of us in the big things. But we don't want God to take care of us in the little things. We're just like, oh, I'll take care of it. I can do it on my own strength, my own justification, my own, I've lost my ever-loving mind. And then when the big things come, we're like, God, where were you? Why didn't you do this? He goes, because you didn't trust me in the little things. You didn't asked me to be involved in the little things, so why would you ask me to be involved in the big things? But why weren't you there? Well, I was there. I was just waiting for you to ask. I was waiting for you to trust me. A long time ago, you ever done something? And you're like, yeah, that was totally good. And then, you know, like a year later, paid for it. And you're like, yep, that was not God. Totally shouldn't have done that. Yeah. And we wonder why we throw hissy fits when, like, God, where were you? It's like, nope, I was there. But you didn't listen. You didn't trust me. You wanted to do it on your own.
We are justified through faith, and it is the peace of Jesus Christ that covers us. Faith is not always being peaceful. Faith is going through it and knowing God, that God is going to take care of it. And you may not always have peace going through a trial or a struggle or a, a time in life that you weren't expecting. But it's knowing that God's going to take care of it that is where we get our peace from. It may seem chaotic. It may seem like all, all, everything else around you is failing. But it's trusting God with those moments that allow us to know the peace of Jesus Christ. And what does it say? It's peace beyond understanding. So when we have those moments of little things that God says, I want you to do this. I want you to trust me in this. Because what happens is when we trust him in that, when the big things come, we have peace. It may not always seem like it. You guys ever had a situation and you're like, I don't know what's going on. It's freaking nuts and it's crazy, but I'm just okay. I'm just okay with it. You ever been there? Yeah. Like you don't know what's going on, but you're like, okay, um, it's just going to be okay. That's the peace of God. The peace that goes beyond our understanding is that's where it is because God's saying, hey, I've got you. I'm going to take care of you. So honor God in those little things. Honor God in when he asks you to do something little. By you doing that, it's you trusting him. That's you putting your faith in him. So when those big things come, you're just like, hey, this is no bigger than what the little thing was. God's going to take care of it. God's going to provide. God's going to take care of me where I need it. God's going to take care of the people who need to be taken care of. But it's not by our actions. It's his. It's us trusting him, but it's not by what we do in the physical. It's by what comes out of our spirit to him. Let's pray.